Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Uh, open your Bibles with me. We're in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we're going to look at one of the stories that's actually become central to our life as a community. It's the story of the two fish and the five loaves. John chapter 6, verse 30. And I've been thinking a ton this week. I'm excited to jump into this, but I've been thinking a ton about what God can do with a little. What can God do with a little? And it's been amazing to watch, you know, Fitzgerald Hill down here, give everybody a wave. Uh, he, he brought this to me. Fitz loves to give names to things, right? And so what was this, two years ago? About two years ago, you were like, I got this idea. We're going to call it the two fish, five loaves team. We got these guys who cook fish. And uh, he said, we're going to make it a bring a friend weekend. If y'all are new to our community, uh, we haven't done one of these in a while. We did have a fish weekend, but it wasn't really a bring a friend weekend like what we used to do. I'm praying in 2021 that we'll be able to do more of these. Amen. Hopefully, as things start to relax and open up, but it's just a little vision that God's done a ton with. And so, what we didn't know is that God was working on something uh, called City Serve, and this has just fueled our outreach. And what I want you to know before we get into the text today is that if there's someone with a need in your community, in your life, like yesterday, they delivered beds to somebody whose house had been burnt down, right? Uh, the kids were sleeping on the floor. And got to go by the warehouse, pick it up. Basically, the way that it works is we've partnered with Costco, we've partnered with Walmart, Pottery Barn, some of these companies, and they have returned goods, right? Anybody ever return something to one of these places? Do you ever wonder what happens to it? Well, they've got a couple of options. Uh, They can destroy it, they can write it off, or they can donate it. And so what they don't want is competition in the marketplace, right? Right? They don't want people reselling this stuff. And so what they found is if they donate it to churches, churches will give it away. And so we have a 100,000 square foot warehouse. Is that right? 100,000 square foot warehouse that these companies are just bringing 18 wheeler loads of stuff. We turned down $1 million worth of goods this year because we couldn't give it away fast enough. What does that mean? Y'all, we have an unbelievable opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Uh, This is something that is God-breathed. There is no other reason something like this happened to some church in Arkansas, right? But God's been moving, amen? Uh, So we're in in Mark 6, 30 through 44, and uh, I'm going to read it to you. This is going to be a chunk of scripture, so stick with me. We'll have it up here on the screens. Here's what it says. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, and they told him all that they had done and taught. Now, you may be reading that and thinking, ministry tour, what are they talking about? Jesus had just sent out his disciples, and they'd just gone and done ministry. And they were coming back, and they were telling him all the things that had happened. Now, this is a chaotic moment, maybe the second most chaotic moment in all of Jesus' life and ministry. Um... The reason for that is he had just found out that he, he lost his cousin, one of his best friends, a guy named John the Baptist. What happened with John is John had spoken truth uh, to the power of the day, and they did not like that, and he got beheaded. And so Jesus is mourning this. Uh, his ministry is growing like crazy. His disciples are out, and they're doing things. And this is what he said. He said, 
let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Have you guys ever been so busy? You're like, I just need to get out, get in the woods, go camping, get quiet. This is where Jesus is at. He said, because of this, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. His ministry is exploding. Doesn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And look at this. He had compassion on them. Everybody say compassion. He had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Now, this is during Jesus' Galilean ministry. What does that mean? This is during some of his ministry among the Gentiles. It says that they were a sheep without a shepherd. One commentator that I read today uh, said that, This was a commentary, yes, on the religious leaders of the day, but also on the secular leaders. They weren't taking care of the people, and they were looking for leadership, and they found a good leader, amen? And Jesus. He he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late, send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Look what Jesus says. He says, you feed them. (laughs) With what, they asked. We have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, Jesus asked. So go find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread, and two fish. I feel like there had to be a little bit of sarcasm in this, right? This is 5,000 people. I wouldn't have the gall. I'd go up and say, dude, we don't have anything. Like, I, I, I don't know that I would have even had the faith to say, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. So I feel like there's some sarcasm. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the grass And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100, and Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people, and he divided the fish for everyone to share. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. We're going to dig into this, uh, and I believe God's got something for us this morning. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are good. God, that you are faithful. And God, that you have a plan. And so this morning, God, we just ask that you would help us see more and more of what your plan is, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, all God's people said, Amen. amen. Uh, has anybody in here ever changed a diaper? You ever done that? <laughs> okay. Uh, I did not change my first diaper until June 7th, 2019. Uh, so that was last year. Uh, I, I avoided it. People would always say, you need to practice. I said, I'll practice when it's my kid. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm thankful that you guys don't have the same attitude that I had. And you work in the nursery and you do things like that. But that was just, you know, one of my struggles that I had. And so now uh, for me and Callie, 
we've got our beautiful baby girl, and if you've ever changed the diaper of a toddler, uh, they like to grab everything, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So they're grabbing. You're trying to give them toys to distract them. It's a two-man job. Uh, it, it, it's become a two-man job with Georgia. And so she's gator rolling, right? And there's just matter that's going places, right? And it gets messy. Uh, and I was sitting there today, and I'm reading this story this morning about what Jesus was in, and I was like, what can I even compare this to? Like, that, that's probably the weakest comparison that I can give, right? The chaos of trying to change a toddler's diaper. But Jesus is in a place where his ministry is blowing up. His best friend has been beheaded. The crowds are pressing in on him like crazy. And much like changing a diaper, when you start working with hurting people, sometimes you get some stuff on you, right? <laughs> and Jesus was needing a moment to wash his hands, to take some time, but it just kept coming. I imagine that's what it's going to be like when I have a second kid. Amen? That's not an announcement. I wish. Shots fired. Uh, but here's what I've learned, y'all. Compassion is best displayed in the midst of chaos. Compassion is best displayed in the midst of chaos. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. I want you to look at this quote uh, from a 20th century psychologist. He said this, he said, this is the simple and most ancient of human truths, namely that life is an arduous and tragic struggle. <laughs> Are you encouraged? The end. Let me pray. No. Uh, that compassion is hard won by confronting conflict. Anybody in here struggle with compassion? Come on. It's church. We can be honest. The whole front row is being honest, right? <laughs> we struggle with it. And I think one of the reasons that we struggle is because compassion is the hardest when we're the most pressed. But I've also found when I'm the most pressed, it seems like the most needs come up, right? Have y'all noticed this? Like when everything's going wrong, that's when somebody needs some help. And that can happen within the home. Like Callie and I were talking a little bit in the office earlier. You know, times when I'm the most stressed, she's also got a lot going on. And uh, I don't always respond with the most compassion, pray for my wife. She has to deal with me every day. But have you ever wondered, did Jesus ever get a little bit of compassion fatigue? And you may think, no, never. Jesus was always ready to go. That's not the case. Here in this scripture, Jesus is wanting to get away. He's wanting to refuel his batteries, but he can't. He wants to get away and get quiet, and this place is anything but quiet. Y'all, let me tell you this. People's problems are not going to wait until things are perfect in our lives. And Jesus was fueled by his mission. Everybody say mission. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus knew his goal was to meet the needs of others. Uh, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. You see Jesus' unbelievable organizational skills in the feeding of the 5,000. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever tried to do a family cookout? 
You think your family's big? You ever do a, a, a family reunion? Anybody ever try to organize all that food? Jesus has unbelievable organizational skills. Most theologians, most academics would say there were up to 15,000 people. It said 15, it said 5,000, there we go. It said 5,000 men and their families, women and children, probably 15,000 people that he fed. But Jesus was not motivated by doing great things. I want you to let that sink in for a second. He wasn't motivated by doing great things. He was motivated by love and compassion. You know, when we let love and compassion fuel our lives, God will add to us. God will bring great things to us. And what God's called us to do is to be faithful with what we've got. I wonder what you've got in your basket. You know, when Jesus went to the Father, the mission didn't change. You see, when he walked around on the earth, he was the physical body, right? That was the physical body of Christ. When, we, when he went to the Father, we became the body of Christ, right? The body has changed, but the mission's the same. Jesus' mission was to have compassion, to love people, and he's given the exact same mission to us, his church. Now, here's the truth. You will not always feel like it. <laughs> In fact, I found most of the time I don't. <laughs> but look at this. I'm going to read a verse to you, 2 Corinthians 1, 4. It says, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them some of the same comfort that God has given us. Y'all, here's what I've learned. I joke about it a little bit. But when there's a gap between my compassion and the needs for others, often I find that I've, I've lost sight of the mercy of God. When there's a gap between my compassion and the needs of others, there's a lapse in, in the view of God's mercy to me. Have you ever struggled with compassion? You know, this week we were in the life of Christ. I'm gonna be really transparent with y'all. We're in the Life of Christ study, and I feel like every week has been about the needs of others. Has anybody else felt like that? And I'm like, dude, give me a break. Like, give me something for me. I'm just being honest. I literally, I'm sitting there with my wife at 630, and I'm thinking, again, like, we get it. Love the least of these. He taught about other stuff, you know? I'm just being really honest. And it hit me, he did teach about the least of these a lot. <laughs> and my response is probably showing something about where my heart's at. And Callie and I started to discuss, and it hit me like this. One day, Callie and I hope to have more kids. One day soon, right? We'll see. <laughs> oh, she didn't, th when she married me, I was a worship leader, and worship leaders don't have as many opportunities to bother their wives for more children on Sundays. <laughs> Uh, one day, hopefully we'll have more kids, Lord willing. Um, and I just started thinking about what if, now this is not me speaking death over the future of my family. This is just me conjecturing. <laughs> what if one of those kids has some serious issues? And whether they're behavioral issues or things like that, and they find themselves in trouble, and they find themselves in a place where I can't 
take care of them. And maybe they find themselves on the streets. They find themselves in difficult places. You know, I would be consumed with love for them and desire for them to be healthy. And it hit me. How much would I love and appreciate the person who helped them? Like who helped my child. And it just hits me. That's how God looks at hurting people. And it's like, yeah, he talks about the least of these a lot because those are his kids who need help. Those are people that he dearly loves and he's asking us, healthy people for the most part, (laughs) to figure out what we can do. And man, me and Callie started looking at our calendars and saying, we gotta change some things. We gotta start looking for more opportunities to help people who are hurting, amen? I wonder what that could look like for you. Now, here's the other side of the coin. Some of you guys are in here and you're like, you're making some big assumptions, fella. <laughs> Everything is not okay, you know, in my life. That's why I'm here. And you could be in a place to where you're like, I I need compassion. Let me encourage you with this. Don't give up on running to the throne of God. A lot of times when we have continual problems, we feel like we're almost bothering. Have you ever felt like that? Like you almost feel ashamed to bring the same problem to God again. Look what it says in Psalm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Listen, if you're in trouble God wants you to call upon him. God wants you to ask him. God wants you to have faith. And if it's one time or it's 6,000 times, keep running after him. Because listen, the scripture said that the enemy is prowling around like a a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. God wants us to keep bringing him our burdens. God wants us to trust him with our burdens. And listen, when we're afraid to do that, that's when the enemy comes in and overwhelms us. Amen? Listen, don't you ever think that you don't deserve the love and the compassion and the mercy of God. He came for us. He knew the condition we were in. (laughs) Listen, I say this to people sometimes. They look at me, and for whatever reason, people think I've never been through anything. I, I don't know what that is. But people are always like, I'm sure your life has been perfect. Well, not so much, you know. You're going to be shocked when I tell you what I've done. Y'all, listen, I think a lot of times we approach God like that, like he's a holy God, right? Maybe it's because I'm a pastor. I don't know. James, Lemetria, Fitz, maybe y'all have been through that. People just think we ain't never had any problems. Uh, (laughs) But I think sometimes that's how we feel about God. Y'all, God knew where you were at when he came. He knows where you're at right now, and he loves you, all right? So number one, compassion is best displayed in chaos. God can move in chaos. Number two, never set limits based on what's in your basket. Never set limits based on what God can do based on what's in your basket. Mark 6, 35 through 37, it says, Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, And this is a remote place. I think they were being selfish. I'm just being honest with you. This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Now notice, it said a few verses earlier that they themselves had not eaten yet. (laughs) I think that was their number one thing, but I'm conjecturing. Maybe that's because that's where I would have been. Like, dude, we're hungry. (laughs) Send them away. They'll come back, you know. 
But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to feed all these people. A few things I notice here. If you go back in chapter 6, Jesus sent the disciples out and he said, don't bring any money. <laughs> don't bring any bread. But depend on the people in the areas that you go in to take care of your needs. Isn't it interesting that the same people he told them not to bring any money with them, not to bring any bread with them, he told them to feed them. <laughs> I would have been flabbergasted. I would have been like, I don't get you, man. Like, I, I, I really don't. I've been walking with you for a while. <laughs> I wouldn't have been in the top three. I know that. I, I would have been in the lucky to be there group. Hey, we all got to know where we're at, right? Y'all, I learned a long time ago that the potential for what God can do is not based on what I've got, but my willingness to use what I've got. He's trying to teach them not to put their faith in what they can do, but in what God can do. Y'all, God multiplies what we put in his hands. I think Jesus is taking an extreme example as saying, even when you have nothing, I can provide. <laughs> Truth is, most of us feel insecure about what God's called us to do. If you talk to anybody, I, I'm not 100% confident all the time. When Callie and I launched this church with Fitz and the team, was 28, <laughs> it was not. I had told my pastors, you know, I need another five years before I'm going to, so that would have been two years from now, all right? I was intimidated. But God's always teaching us that we've got to trust him with what we want to do in our lives, y'all. We will always avoid situations where we believe we can't cover the cost. We're always going to avoid situations where we believe we can't cover the cost. Y'all, too many of us, and I've been here, we, we don't get involved. We, we, we don't care about other people's problems because we think the cost is too high not just in money, but in time and effort. And can I tell you the truth? It is. I mean, look what Jesus is asking the disciples to do. There's 5,000 people here with women and children, something like 15,000 people. They know they don't have the money, and he says, you feed them. In today's dollars, we're talking anywhere from eight to $15,000 to feed everyone here. He's asking them to do something impossible, but y'all listen, listen to me. God is never gonna ask you to do something. God is never gonna test you so that he can grade you. God is testing you to grow you. He's not testing you to grade you. He wants you to grow. Point three, God tests you to grow you. The disciples are, or Jesus is trying to teach the disciples this. He's teaching them not to measure things in their life based on what they can do, but according to what God can do through them. You know, when you face something that seems impossible, it will stretch undeveloped faith. And that's the point. Here's what I want to do. I don't just want to talk about it this morning. I want to get really practical. Can everybody get their phones out? Everybody get your phones out. 
And I want you to take a moment. James is going to play music here. And I just want you to write down everything in your life that's intimidating you. Just take a moment here. We're going to take a few minutes. I just want you to write down everything in your life that's intimidating you. Everything that you've got fear around. Maybe you feel like God's asking you to do something. Maybe you've got a child who's run away, who's uh, a prodigal. Maybe you've got a marriage that's in trouble. Maybe you've got an illness. Maybe you've got a dream, something you feel like God gave you. Maybe you've been single for a long time and it's like, I just don't know if I trust that God's gonna send me someone godly. Maybe you look around the city and you see the needs and you think, man, what could I possibly do? Maybe it's relationships. Just want everybody take some time here. Do some Devo time together. Could be your finances. It's just like you can never quite get stable. Could be a broken friendship. I'm gonna give you about 30 more seconds. What is it that intimidates you? What is it only God could provide? I'm gonna close with this thought. Uh, Mark, the gospel writer, is, I believe, pulling on a couple of motifs here. He's showing us a few things. One, When you think about people in the wilderness needing food, when it comes to the scripture, it's hard not to think about the Israelites in the desert, right? Where God provided manna from heaven. Makes me think about Joshua, the one who led the people through the wilderness into the promised land. Makes me think about Elisha. If you go and you look at 2 Kings 4, I believe it's 42. There's a very similar story where Elisha feeds a hundred people. Yo, know, I don't know what your desert or your wilderness looks like, but Jesus is the feast in the wilderness. Jesus is the provision of God in the place where you most desperately need it. And Jesus is showing that we don't have to live based on what's in our basket, but what's at the disposal of God. And we believe that everything that we could possibly need can be provided by God. And so y'all, I've said this a few times this year, I believe that this is the season for bold prayers. I believe this is the season to ask God for impossible things. Jesus is the one who provides for our needs. And I could talk about CityServe. I could talk about relationships. I could talk about all those things. But I think the most important thing 
is that you have faith and you trust God. Because there's, here's the truth. Some of our issues can only be solved through relationship. But God's got to show you those right places to go. God's got to provide those relationships for you. So I want to take a moment and pray together. Can we stand to our feet? We're just going to have a, just a little time of prayer. If you've got a need in the house, just something, you wrote it down. Something where you're intimidated, something that feels impossible. I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. We're all in here. I've got some things, something you're praying for. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to stretch both of your hands up to heaven and we're gonna petition heaven for these things. God, we thank you that you are immeasurably good. God, we thank you that you see every need represented here in this room. And God, we believe that you have at your hand what we need. And so God, I pray for those who are praying for financial breakthrough, God, that you would be near to them and God, that you would move. God, I pray for those who need relational breakthrough. God, whether it be in a marriage, come on, we are petitioning heaven. God, we ask that you would come in and heal. We believe that you can do it. God, you restore broken places. God, we pray for friendships that have been shattered. God, you restore broken places. God, we pray for addictions. God, we thank you that you break strongholds. That is what you do. God, we believe that you are more than enough. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.